Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast and welcome to our final episode of 2021. I am delighted you are here. Thank you first off to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. My guest in this final episode of 2021, we're walking in the same footsteps as 2019 and 2020. We have Dr. Kimberly Manning here with us once again to help us wrap up the year. Dr. Manning is a professor of medicine at Emory University. Her practice is based at Grady Hospital in Atlanta. She is at Grady Doctor on Twitter, and I lead with that because she is truly extraordinary on that platform, and she is, in my opinion, one of the most important American physicians working today. It was just an absolute honor to have her to help us wrap up this year. This episode is absolutely packed. I'm not even going to try to step on it. You are going to absolutely love it. Before we get to the episode, just a quick thank you to all of you who have listened to Explore the Space this year and been supporters for such a long time. This is an honor. It's an extraordinary journey. I am so proud and happy to be on it with you. To all of you who've been on the show, whether it was an episode of Explore the Space, an episode of Med Lasso from Explore the Space, a live show that we did virtually, of course, this year. Thank you. It's just incredibly special. I love it. I cannot wait for what is to come. And to those of you who've created time and space to share your expertise, your wisdom, your empathy, your passion with all of us. It's just a real gift, and I am eternally grateful for it, and I cannot wait to do more. 2022 is going to be a big year and Explore the Space for sure. We will have lots more of the episodes you're used to. We will have lots more Med Lasso stuff, obviously. Hopefully someday we can get back out there and have some live shows together. There are some things in the works. It's all preliminary, obviously, but hoping to be able to bring them together. And there will be a very special thing coming in January. I'm really excited to share it with you. So please do follow along. I am on Twitter at ETS Show. I am Instagram at Explore the Space Show. You can subscribe to Explore the Space Podcast wherever you like to download your shows. And please do leave us that five-star rating and review. All of those things really help us out. Subscribing, the rating, the reviews. It's a huge driver of success. It's much appreciated. Please do continue to share with your friends as well. You can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com, the entire archive of the show, www.explorethespaceshow.com. All that said, it's been an extraordinary year. There is much more to come. Now it's time for the truly wonderful Dr. Kimberly Manning. Kimberly, welcome back to Explore the Space. This is the best. I'm so happy you're here. (laughs) I know we're going on three years in a row, right? This is our third year. This is the third year. So if you're here, it means we're wrapping up another year. Um, I don't think you've ever been on the show when it hasn't been the year-end episode. We did 19, 20, and now 21, right? That's right. That's right. All right. Well, we're going to change that next year, and there's a very specific reason why. (laughs) Okay. As as you know, we have an Explore the Space spinoff around Ted Lasso called Med Lasso. And you have shared with us over the last 48 hours this roller coaster ride you've been on. (laughs) You binged season one and two in like three days. Is that right? Um, a little under three days, actually. My friend. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I went hard. I mean, you, you must be emotionally wrung out. Yeah, but you know what? I, I am. Um, I have been a gunner since M one year, in the very <laughs> best way, y'all. So don't judge me. I, yeah, I do think yeah. if you're a gunner for your patience, that's a good thing. But that's right. Uh, see, what had happened was that Mark, you and I were supposed to record last week, and I had not seen even a single episode of Ted Lasso. And, um, you know, we had our, our schedules change and we knew that we would be recording today. Yeah. And the gunner in me said, you know what? You have time now. Let's do it. Let's commit. And I committed myself to getting through this whole thing so that I could be in on the conversation. Now, I will say that as like an ultra gunner, I also tried a little bit 
um, to, to see if I could finish some of the, the med lasso episodes, but I, but I haven't been able, I, I wasn't uh, able to, um, because there were spoilers and I was still watching. So I was like, yeah, I gotta, so yeah, I mean, yeah. full disclosure, I haven't listened to med lasso, but n- now that's, I'm going to be able to savor that in a different way. You can savor that. Cause we've got a while before season three will come. They'll start filming. Like, I think they start filming on Valentine's day next year. Oh, and then wow. it'll probably release in the summer or the fall. So you have plenty of time. And uh, I, I honestly, like you watched the whole thing in two days. <laughs> it is a roller coaster, right? I mean, there's episodes where you will be like laughing to the point where you have to pause it and rewind yeah. and like tearing up in the same episode. Right. You, you, must know be what? A bit, you must be a bit tired. So, so, I mean, I, I, you know, tongue in cheek, I said that like I was watching it all, you know, um, in preparation for this, this episode, I, I, I admit that that probably was the thing that made me walk out the door <laughs> into it. Right, right. 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 But, but, you know, I had just been feeling the weight of Omicron, um, you know, cause I'm just, I'm, I'm just such an optimist. I mean, gosh, I can, I can see the good in just about anything. And um, the day before I started watching, I just I was feeling completely drained of any drop of optimism, just tired. You know, I had a kid in the house who started having the sniffles. I had a scratchy throat. Um, Everybody around me was testing positive. You know, we have a a vacation planned that requires um, a negative test. And it was just a lot. I mean, looking at our resident schedules, I, I just was like, man, I am just tired. And and then I started watching this show. And and I have to say, probably one of the things that that, that just uplifted me the most is that um, you can be broken, you know, and you can be imperfect and you can have all of your quirks. But there are people who are genuinely optimists. They're, like it's not it's not a facade. And I and, and I've had people say to me, um, you know, either through social media and just in life that they don't buy it. They don't buy that. <laughs> that, that this is what I'm like. And um, and that maybe it's it's pathological. And, and I don't know what it is. It's just me. And I was watching this guy and I was like, OK, you can really be a quirky, goofy shown up optimist with like stuff collapsing all around you, but that just be who you really are. And I loved every drop of that. (laughs) Yeah. You and I have shared DNA in that place of remaining optimistic. Megan Ranney was on the show recently and she and I talked about this as well about the idea of what, what she and I both kind of agreed on is pragmatic optimism. It's not pie in the sky, constantly starry eyed optimism, but it's an outlook. It's an approach to life. Yeah. And the thing about the show that resonated for me is exactly what you described. But it was also that sense of this community, the small community of people that we come to love, even though we know that they're fictional, moving through this chaotic world together with their own flaws and foibles and strengths and, yeah. and weaknesses, lifting each other up, helping each other when they fall, being accountable. It's it, that's the the space that I continue to want to strive for, and that's the thing about it that resonates. It's fictional. We all get yeah. that. I mean, we're not yeah. we're not foolish. We don't believe this is real, right. but it, it it sets an aspiration. Yeah, and that's what I love I, about I agree. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, and I, and my thing is like, if you're a person who's listening to this and you do not, you've not watched this television show, um, Ted Lasso. I mean, I. I still think you could relate to this conversation, you know, because it's it's uh, it's so layered um, what's happening that you can you can see evidence of this art in life. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. There's this song that uh, I I like a lot. It's by Frankie Beverly and Mays, uh, a a soul group that I have loved for years. And um, the song is called Joy and Pain. And in the in the song and the lyrics, they it says over and over, you can be sure there will be sorrow, but you will endure where there's the flowers. There's the sun and the rain. Oh, but it's wonderful. They're both one and the same. And I, and I'm like that, that to me is like 2021 in a nutshell, you know, oh, but it's wonderful. They're both one and the same. You can't have the flowers without the sun and the rain. 
you and I grew up in the United States in the same kind of years and time frame. Yeah, and I'm older than you. Like, I like I like how you said that. I appreciate that. You know, I, you know, I got but, you, guy. Like but, yeah, that's right. But the, <laughs> the, the, you know, the the milestones of life, like you and I, were roughly in the same kind of phases of our lives as yeah. they were happening. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I think was sort of inculcated in us by the society in which we grew up is that it's easy, um, and that life can be rich and that this country that we have is big and powerful and has never ending money um, and will win the Cold War. And I mean, there was a book that came out when I was I think I was still in college mm-hmm. called The End of History, which it was absurd at the time. I was a history major and all of us were like, this is dumb. But the conceit was that like the big events have all happened now. Right. And I think that for all of us, it's been this experience of the world in which we live, not just our individual lives, the world in which we live will be seized with upheaval. Yeah, it will be seized with events like depressions and world wars, yep. and and epidemics. Um, and you know, we we experienced nine eleven, and I don't want to go off too much on a tangent right, about right. this, but I feel like in so many ways, the the administration at the time worked to insulate the greater American public from what that was like. Right, right. We we were told to go shopping, and I'll just leave it right. at that. Right. Um, I think that we're in a place now where we understand our lives are going to be defined now by upheaval, by right. the COVID-19 pandemic, by the impact of climate change, by the fact that we now can no longer look away from the inequities that that dig into all of us and have been digging into so many of us for so long and so many of us didn't pay attention. We can't do that anymore. We can't be blind. Right. But what you just described in that song lyric and the way you think about the show, that's the mindset that I would like to try to have as we go forward, that the 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 hardship and the pain will have its own beauty, I guess. Yep. Yep. Without sounding again like a naive person, like it's right. gonna be really hard and it has been, but there's something there, right? I'm 45. Yeah. I yeah. feel good. Uh, mentally, I'm agile. I want the rest of my life to be the best it can be, but it's going to take a mindset like you just described. Yep. Yep. That's real. That's real. I mean, you know, and the, the truth is, you know, if you keep living um, I, either on a grand scale and something like, you know, the pandemic or even in your tiny little seemingly insignificant life, there will be things that happen um, that that completely just draw a big line in the sand and it's sort of a before and an after and neither that be you know something that personally happens to your health something that happens with your family a loss um anything like that and i think now that i've lived long enough and i know that 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 is so i i also think um i i, I try very hard to live with a zeal that that really follows a mantra of just no regrets like i <laughs> I can deal with just about anything. Like I can deal like, listen, I, (laughs) I I don't want to be handed anything bad. You know, I don't want to, but, but I, but I know that things will happen, but what I can't survive is, is, is eternal regret about something. I just can't, I can't survive that. You know, I lost my sister who was 20 months older than me. I mean, it sucked. Like it was horrible. But I don't have any regrets when it comes to our relationship. Um, and the, the thing that makes me go the fastest back to talk to a patient, back to a talk to a nurse, back to my kids to apologize, you know, coming back to sit down and try to, you know, mend some, you know, spat that I have with my husband is I, I do not want to operate in the space of regret at any point in my life. I'm a mess up. Um, but I don't I don't want to I don't want to regret anything. Uh, it's gratifying to hear you say that because for me that's been something I've paid a lot more attention to as I've gotten better at dealing with conflict over the last I don't know 10 and especially five and three years um because I was scared of it for such a long time and I still am but when you don't deal with those things in the moment what I've come to learn is that you live with that regret after the fact you know the the defense mechanism actually really proves to be an accelerator of discomfort and sadness than something that helped you hide from it and so that's been a, a a helpful thing to hear. And it sounds like you're, you know, it's daily work, but you've got your iron pretty well sharpened in that place. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work. I mean, you yeah. know, how my, um, my 16 year old son is learning to drive <laughs> and, uh, and um, 
I, I, I am not patient as a, as a teacher of a young person who is learning to drive and, and, and like impatient in ways that um, are that sometimes border on not being kind because I get frustrated and I get nervous and I, you know, <laughs> just, it's not cool. You know, yesterday after uh, a rather painful driving session with his mother, I sat down with my son and I was like, you know what? I, I've never done this before, man. I've never had a 16 year old kid that I was trying to help learn how to drive. And, um, you know, I'm a teacher and I feel like I am saving up all my kindness for people that aren't even in my house. And I, I got to do better. I just I'm just really um, <laughs> just I just get really nervous, son. And I really apologize, you know, because I don't want to have my son look back and be like, yeah. I learned to drive, but it like really sucked because my mom mm-hmm. pretty much hazed me for one hour every time we got home, which was pretty much what I was doing. I was like, bro, you're not gonna you're not gonna pass your test if you keep rolling through these stop signs like this. You have to completely stop. Yeah, yeah. Get out and do push-ups. <laughs> Get out of the car and do push-ups, son. Or just let me drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's hard. I mean, I, you know, I have a five-year-old, and so I have to pay particular attention to in the space of like being patient. Not necessarily a forte of Doctor Shapiro no, in the hospital, but I'm when Doctor Shapiro comes home and his dad Shapiro, you know, it's a big mindset shift, and it's something that I'm working to get better at. Which brings us to something you and I do each year, which I actually have really come to look forward to. Okay, again, in that same space of like the juxtaposition of the joy and the hardship. Is one what is the what is something that you feel like for the over the course of the year you've done really well, and it can be whatever it can be a single event, it can be a theme, a habit, whatever, and then something that for the year you would like to be able to continue to get better at. So if you want to go first on one of them, and then I can go first on the other one. Can you go first on the first? I think I did that to you last year. I made yeah. you go first last Which, year. Uh, I can go first. Which one do you want me to do on? Uh, do you want me to do the what I've done well or what I want to do better? Uh, sidebar, there's this book called The Paradox of Choice and how um, being presented choices yeah. Yeah, you know, right, can like overwhelm you. So you're giving oh. me lots of choices. And well, it's I- decision fatigue, right? Like it's, it's, you know, <laughs> it's early in the morning. It's Christmas Eve. We're supposed to be like chilling out. And here we are like getting deep again. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, what I, would say is I will. I will present this back to you as an right. option. I will be delighted. All right. To All right. I'm ready. I'm going to do what I can do better at. And it's okay. a very practical thing. Okay. I am at my I am at my best physically, mentally, emotionally when I'm eating the right food. Okay. Um, when I am dialed in on a diet where there's definitely foods that I enjoy, but my intake of refined carbohydrates is reduced, I do really well. Um, I exercise well, I sleep well, I am energized throughout the course of the day, cognitively, whether I'm at work or at home or whatever, I I feel like like the best I've ever felt in my life, quite honestly, over the last couple of years. Um, just super agile, super engaged, super attentive, super creative, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely like the the lizard brain wants sugar, wants chocolate, <laughs> wants candy, wants sweets. And when I give in to the gremlin saying it's fine, just have like a couple little baby Snickers bars, like things will go dark, and I'll eat ten. Um, <laughs> and I don't feel very good after that. And then I'll be like, you know, when we're in the when we're in the cauldron of like lots of things happening all at the same time. You know, when I just be like, I just need like a little neurotransmitter change because today has been brutal. Mm-hmm. It's sweets, right? It's a mm-hmm. peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's the things that I know that in the moment are going to take. Oh, I'm right. What, what is better? Are you team crunchy? Dude. Smooth? Oh, smooth. No, 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 no. <gasps> yeah, no, no, no. Smooth like Magic bit. Johnson on the court. <gasps> You're going to go with the crunchy? Oh, I'm team crunchy all day. That's fair. I mean, I <laughs> look, it's like coffee. As long as you're enjoying what you're having, I'm, I'm not particular. I just know what my preference is. I love um, it. But yeah, it's been a it's been a slog. And like then, you know, we all did the thing, whatever, in the fall where we went to see our doctor again and we got labs done and there were opportunities for improvement. <laughs> it's It's a practical one. Right. But it's really hard for me. I mean, I'll be honest, like when I it's hard for me at the end of a long day and I'm tired and it's been hard to get my son down to bed and all of these things like the default is just bread in the toaster, jam out of the fridge, right? Mm -hmm. Scramble some eggs um, and then some ice cream. 
Mm, and yeah. this is not when I'm at my best, but it's delicious. That's yeah. the, that's the, so for me, when I'm locked in and I know I can do it and the strategy is not to say new year's resolution, I'm going to eat great. The whole year. It's like, look for the next two hours, just try not to eat the foods that you don't like and replace it with three glasses of water and get on the Peloton, right? It has to be very, very small increments of time for me, but that is really a place for me where I know what I'm like when I'm locked in on it. And then all of the other things that I then want to do better, communicate better, situational awareness, you know, what's going on with my friends, what's going on in my community, where are the things where I can have an impact? I'm better at all of those. Um, so that's that's the thing for me where when I'm locked in, it makes everything else that I know I'm really good at and I know I need to be contributing better. Mm, I love that. I love that. That's great. Okay. So can I can I say something in response to what you just said? Please, of course. Um, so um, I feel you on that. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, sweets is not necessarily my go to. I'm a, I'm, I'm a salty snack and peanut butter mm-hmm. kind of person, but I love yeah. peanut butter. Um, and I just love a good PB and J with the out of the toaster and all that. But I started doing this thing um, where um, I I have one meal per week. That is exactly whatever I want, everything I want in that meal, that one meal. Because I was reading something about how one meal it will not will not sabotage your weight or your or your health goals. So I I, I pretty much try pretty hard to to limit my carbohydrate intake and and stuff like that uh, during the week and try to eat sort of as smartly as I can and intermittent fast and all that. But um, it's to the point that there's a restaurant in my neighborhood called Double Zero, where they have this eggplant parmesan, which is my absolute favorite thing to eat. Their eggplant parm. I walk With in the melted cheese oh, and it's all brown. Oh, 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 it is. It, it is. It's a. It's a big serving too. Like I do not fool around. I mean, I'm coming. I'm, I'm flying out for sure. I will take you. But when I walk in there, the manager says carbohydrate Saturday. <laughs> like for real, for real. And me and my best friend, because we do this together, we go up in there and he's like, oh, it's carbohydrate Saturday. He's like, you having the regular? Sometimes I'll even order like uh, one of these like oven done, like oven grilled Neapolitan style pizzas. Damn near eat the whole thing. But it's that one meal, one and done. I love it. Um, I love and it. And then I get a pepper, a York peppermint patty as the dessert because I love mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. I'm done. And then, it, and then so I go great. hard and then yeah. carbohydrate yeah. Saturday. I love it. I love it. When I was a kid growing up, we had candy day. So there were no sweets during the week. And then on Thursday, my mom would take my sister and I to Long's Drug Store. And we could each pick out a couple bags. They the big bags with the small pieces. And then they would live in the brown paper bag in my parents' closet. And we would look at it like it was on, like, like it was um, at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's the like golden. And we would like look at it. And then Saturday after the soccer or the t-ball or the whatever, it was candy day. And like our friends would come over because they knew and it was a free for all um, until my dad kind of like, it was great. It was (laughs) totally great. I'm not sure if developmentally it was good for me, but I loved it. And I remember. But the thing is completely, I I guess the point of it all um, and shout out to your mom for that is that like complete deprivation. It takes me me off the deep end. Totally. Totally. so the other thing too, which uh, I'm such a nerd, but let me just another sidebar is um, a book I read uh, this year. You're a professor of medicine. You're not a nerd. You are <laughs> I, one of the best no, doctors. I'm, I, I'm, I'm the proudest. I'm the proudest nerd. Um, a book I read um, this year called uh, Dopamine Nation. It was all about like how we get all these things that like surge our dopamine that we get uh-huh. from social media, this, that, and the other. But um, food included. But what yeah. happens is that the more you do something over and over the more it takes for you to feel satisfied and unless you appreciate it. So now I like when I have carbohydrate Saturday, everything tastes so much better. My glass of wine is so much better. Everything (laughs) is so good. I appreciate it more. So I I don't know. I don't know that that was a bad thing. I like, I might have to to see if I can at 16 and 15, move my kids to candy. I know. So (laughs) But it's funny that you say that, like, there's the one meal. There's a lot of things that you've done that have brought, like, our, you know, community a sense of joy and happiness and lots of things that you've done that have made me smile. The best one, you texted me that picture of your breakfast when you were on vacation. Do you remember that? Oh, wait, what was it? It was, uh, like, 
gigantic omelet covered with like salsa. And you even texted like the guac isn't here yet. And the tortillas. I was like, oh, yeah, Manning is getting yes. amongst it right now. It was yes. awesome. that was epic. I'm not I was like, that I'm is not- a breakfast for the ages. It was rad. Yeah, savor it, man. Savor it. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Okay, let me see. What do I what um can I do better? Um there are so many things that I want to do better, but I'm I'm a center actually on the most probably important of all to me, which is my relationship with my husband. We have a very, very good relationship. We are best friends. My husband is the love of my life. I mean, truly. And and he just doesn't ask for much. And he gives and he's selfless, very introverted and uh, just somebody who allows me to be my whole self. And, you know, my husband's love language really is acts of service and words of affirmation. And uh, I really want to make sure um, in, in, in the next year and just all the years after that I am very careful to make sure that I am putting as much energy into him um, as I am into all of the other things that I pursue. Um, and again, because he does not ask for much, you know, I, I think that it's very easy for me to get very busy and sort of swirling into all the things that I swirl into. And you know, we we talk a lot, we do a lot of things together and everything, but he he is he's so such a predictably good man to me. That like if I go to work and I, I even if it's his, his birthday was the other day and um, I, I had to go to clinic that morning and I said, it's my husband's birthday. And I rushed out of the door to clinic because I overslept and I left dishes in the sink. I'm so mad at myself because who wants to wake up to dishes on their birthday? But I know that when I come home, the dishes are going to be done. My house is going to smell like fabuloso. and I'm probably going to smell something in a crock pot. He's probably going to cook something even. I mean, he is just a doer. So I'm, I'm really going to try to give him a run for his money as a doer. He, he is really my favorite human. And I want to make sure that through my actions and less through my words that he knows it. So that is one of the things I'm going to be working at. That's wonderful. I love it. I love it. So now we get to spend a little bit of time. Not in the self-congratulatory place, <laughs> place of acknowledgement, right? Like there are things that we've done well this year. There's some, you know, we've put out a lot of effort in a lot of different spheres. Yeah. So I, I can go first or you can, but something that you feel like, again, whether it was one moment or something that's gone from the whole course of the year or anything in between, or you're like, yeah, I did that really well. Let's see. I made you go first last time. Um, can I give you one and a half? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so the half one is uh, that I started strength training this year. Oh, um, cool! Yeah, I was—I've been very good about cardio, pretty much. Yeah, you have, you you have. You're locked in your running for sure. But you know, I'm 51 now, and I really uh, just—I started strength training this year, um, three to four times a week, primarily core strengthening and and high rep, um, low weights. And it has really, really made a big difference for my body. So that that is something I'm extremely proud of that I've stuck with. Awesome. I, only, I only started in September after I saw a wretched picture taken of myself in a bathing suit. I was like, oh, I got to do something. <laughs> but really, I just want to be stronger and, you know, I you know, whatever. But so that's one thing. But the thing that I'm probably um, the most proud of um, is that. Uh, oftentimes, I, uh, Mark, I try to operate in asking myself what breaks my heart. And if something breaks my heart, um, I go. That's a regular it. ask for yourself. That's a yeah. regular. That's how I man. decide. That's how I decide where I'm going to put a whole bunch of my energy. Like what bre- what breaks my heart? You know, that's how I ended up working at Grady. That's how I end up deciding what, you know, um, community organizations I'm going to work in, work in. I mean, it's not um, in that emotional uptick way. It is like. Where am I going to longitudinally put my energy? Because it is not it is not a like an endless resource. I only have so many hours in a day, so much I can do. So of the things, what most breaks my heart, what breaks my heart, um, what was breaking my heart in the pandemic was how many people were misunderstanding um, black people, particularly as it related to um, vaccine uptake. And I was realizing that, like, you know, giving a talk here and there, that just was not enough. 
And, um, you know, at the start of the year, I realized like, hey, you know what? I, I have, you know, a lot of people who read the things I write on Twitter and I am going to intentionally go after trying to get people to see and, and, and also humanize historically excluded groups in a different way. Get people to think and actually like what if I could get people to, to read something that I write on Twitter about specifically black Americans and how um, they feel about COVID vaccination and actually change the way that they communicate with people because of something that I said. And, and this was very intentional. This wasn't an accident. I really sat and thought about what am I seeing in the community? What are these conversations that I'm having with people? What do I wish, wish people knew? Um, what, and, and, you know, part, part of, you know, being a black girl from Inglewood who went to two HBCUs is that you get like really like wrapped up into your world. And we often do not let people in to see aspects of the black community that um, they would very much understand us better and appreciate us better if they saw. But 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 we we kind of <laughs> like oftentimes for our own protection, don't let people into that. And I was like, well, what if I show people these loving and, and highly intelligent interactions that I'm having with people um, and, and letting us know where we're like dropping the ball and, and missing out. And I, I honestly think that um, sort of this little hashtag Black Wise Matter campaign that I personally went on, it was transformative for a lot of people. And, um, and then it led to me having an opportunity to go places and talk about it. And I did it as me. You know, um, you're going to get a little bit of the, you know, black girl magic and African-American vernacular and no cold switching. I'm going to just give you me. I'm extremely proud of that because what I know is that there is somebody very junior to me who is, is mentally and cognitively exhausted from cold switching. That is pretending to be somebody completely other than who they are every day at work to fit into a white heteronormative world. And, 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 and now they're like, well, damn, wait a minute. This lady is on stage doing the, this, that, and the third as herself. And she's saying things like, dang, well, y'all, well, I did this and y'all said, and I did, you know, and they're like, well, wait a minute, maybe, maybe I can tell our stories and maybe I can present um, as myself. And, and I, and I just think that was probably of all the things um, in the time of COVID with the vaccines, at least and communication around it. That was breaking my heart. And I feel like I did something about it. Um, and I'm very proud of that. I, I think that you absolutely have. And for those who maybe don't follow Dr. Manning on Twitter, she shares a lot of those stories there. And I, I would submit, and I think I've shared this with you on Twitter, like that's legacy stuff. It's it's really unique in the American experience of the last 18 to 24 months, at least for it to be shared so transparently. But what I'll also reflect back to you hearing that is, I don't think I'm misremembering our conversation from last year. I am pretty confident that one of the things that you shared that you hoped to work on and get better at was what you just said you've been doing all year. Really? And- yeah, I know. I know. You hit me with something I wasn't ready for. <laughs> I know for a fact we talked about it and you shared that that is something that you're doing. I might be conflating that it was the thing that you wanted, but it doesn't matter. Right. It was something that at the end of last year was really, really important to you. And here we are 12 months, a hard 12 months later, where that's the thing that you really feel like is, I mean, like, this is why you're a titan of American medicine. Like, that's just too, you're just awesome. That is so great. I love that. Titan, I'm going to give me a, a hat that says Titan, like um, Jamie Tart's, uh icon hat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you know how psychologically healthy that is. Titan. <laughs> Remember when, when Jason Sudeikis says that to him in the, in the parking lot? He says, why do I want to be anyone else? I'm me. I don't think you realize how psychologically healthy that is. I love it. I love it. I owe you a story. So I'm going to share my story now. It's, it's a little bit of a clumsy segue, but I want to give my half answer. Um, I, I I share my enjoyment of the Peloton community on Twitter and I like my Peloton bike a lot. I've had two pretty, not insignificant injuries this year that have laid me up for a while. And that's been super frustrating, but I'm happy that I've been able to kind of make my way back from them. I was excited to hear about your strength training because Peloton offered just recently their boxing course, Mm -hmm. which requires no equipment. You can just do it wherever. And I've always wanted to try doing it. And I'm really enjoying it because 
one of the things that I found a lot of the exercise that I was doing is in one plane, in one dimension, you're on the bike, your legs are going up and down, you're moving forward. If I'm, you know, if I'm jogging, I'm just moving forward with the boxing, right? It's X axis, Y axis, you know, you're up and you're vertical, you're jumping your side, all these different things. Um, and I was really liking that. And I was like having some muscles kind of say, Hey, it's been a minute. Thanks, pal. <laughs> um, so that's been a lot of fun too. And that, that half space though, of knowing that, you know, continuing to want to get better there is, is super important. But so the story I want to share with you, and I've thought about this a lot, we were t- t- communicating on Twitter, it was a while ago. And I, um, the context was you were talking about how in the moment, when someone presents an issue, how do you respond? Mm-hmm. When someone says something's hard, you have to make a choice in that moment of how you're going to respond to them. And are you going to respond with kindness and support? Or are you going to respond with a platitude or not engage or, you know, whatever the case may be, but that's, that's not helpful. And I te- I said, like, I've got a story about this and I'll share it when we, when we do our end of the year thing, you may not remember that, but I do. So the, cause it's a story that I don't like to talk about very much. So I was not a very good resident. Residency was really, really hard for me. I really struggled mm-hmm. in residency. I was a competent physician. Like I was a good medical student. I learned a ton. Um, I think from early on in terms of like clinical decision making and things like that, I was confident and I knew my pathophysiology of medicine. I, I read, I asked questions. So I was good at that stuff. I could take good care of patients. Um, I think I was hard to work with because I was really intense. Mm. And I think if you were to ask people who went through residency with me and they're on social media, I think, and I may be wrong, that they would say like, you know, Mark, I was a nice guy. It's not like I was mean or rude to people, but I think in the clinical setting, I was hard to probably at times hard to be around. It's hard to say, obviously, um, because I was really intense and that came from a place of anxiety Mm. and, um, Mm. and fear of failure and feel, feeling like I was never going to get caught up and that I was going to hurt somebody, Mm. um, and just not measure up in all of the various domains and expectations that I had for myself. And And, your father, your father is a physician, right? Yeah. I'm a third generation doctor, my grandpa, my dad and me. Yeah. Um, And so it didn't come from a place of like letting my dad down. It was just, I don't know. It was just that the internal space. And so when I was a resident after intern year, um, the, like the second time I was the, the R2 resident where you're running a team, it was hard for me. I was really, really anxious. And to the point where I remember, it just breaks my heart. The in, one of the interns said, asked me if they were screwing up. They said, Mark, am I screwing up? And I said, no, why would you ask? What, what's going on? And they said, I just feel like we're going so fast all the time. I just feel like I'm screwing up. And I almost started crying because I was like, that's not you, man. It's totally about me. Mm. Um, you're amazing. And I'm, this is just, I'm having a hard time. And we talked about it. This person has gone on to have an extraordinary career. That was one of those moments where I was like, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. Um, if I'm now really feeling the effect where to the point where he's actually asking if they're making, if they're failing as interns, when internship year is hard enough. Mm. So we were on call one night and the attending was great. And she had a habit, not just for me, but she'd had a habit for years of when the team was on call, she would check in. And if it was busy, she would come in and mm. she would see some of the patients just to like make the next morning a little bit easier, mm. but also just be like, Hey, are we all right? Like, you know, are we caught up? Like just to pitch in. And also she might see a few people and write a few notes so that the next morning we could just move that much faster, mm-hmm. um, which like a plus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she sat with me in the team room and we were running through the list and she said, how are you doing? And this mm-hmm. is after like six weeks of not sleeping and super anxious and really struggling. And, you know, my, my now wife, or she's my girlfriend at the time, like she sees what's going on and is really trying to help me. And I decided in that moment, I'm going to tell her, I'm just going to tell her I'm struggling. And I said, I'm really, really struggling. I can't sleep. Um, I'm anxious all the time. This is really hard for me. And that's where I am. And so she had that space of, and I was like, I, I might get fired. Like, are they going to, she, she's going to do what she wants to do in this space. Cause I've just laid my cards down and she hugged me mm. Mm. and said, I've been exactly where you are. Mm. Mm. And you're going to be totally fine. Let's take care of our patients tonight. Let's round in the morning. And you're going to make this. You're going to be fine. I don't remember her exact words. But I remember the first thing she did was she hugged me. And I was fine. 
Um, and it was a rough road. You know, residency remained very difficult. Um, I was very glad to leave the program where I did my training and never look back. Mm. Um, it's a much better program now, for sure, than mm -hmm. it was when I was there. Mm -hmm. But that sort of thing is something that I, I know I've never lived up to that standard that she set for me that night. I don't have permission to use her name, so I'm not going to. Okay. Um, but, you know, she will always be like one of the most important figures of my life, even though we only worked together for a couple of weeks. Mm. Because just in that moment, you know, she gave me a hug. <laughs> so she showed up. Um, yeah, I think that was the term that you used in the conversation on Twitter is how do you show up in those moments? Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, I think, and I'm actually glad you said that, because I think for me, one of the things that I am trying to do well, and I feel like this year I've done well, acknowledging our community is virtual, is that I do try to show up, to borrow your term, mm -hmm. um, in ways that are helpful for people. And I think the way mm -hmm. I can do it and have done it well is community building in mm -hmm. the space where we're not able to all hang out together, mm -hmm. you know, to do things like med lasso and mm -hmm. our mm -hmm. coffee community med grind and you know i didn't mm -hmm. start the peloton one but to be a big part of the the peloton medical community mm -hmm. because i know that when we all are able to congregate again and like actually have a conference that's in atlanta or have a conference that's in new york city or have a conference that's in san francisco it's going to be 10x more fun because mm -hmm. we have all these shared experiences that we've late we really leaned into and i feel like and I hope it's resonated for others, but I feel like I've done a good job of helping to make those normal and engaging and fun. And I'm really proud of it. Mm. I love that. That is so beautiful. I love, I love that you normalized vulnerability right now. I mean, you know how I feel about tears, right? I like, I just, yeah. think I just need to go on and normalize tears anyway and plus yeah. when I like usually I'm the one who starts crying first <laughs> no we're three for I, I usually let it rip first before you um, yeah but but yeah. um I will be reflecting on that story for a while and I and I'm and I'm gonna tell you the piece that is um probably sticking me the hardest and I'm feeling the most and it is just reminding me of what can happen in such a short period of time when we are just, you know, moving through our emotions and doing things, sometimes we do not realize how this, this thing that just seems like not that important can be a, become a pivotal moment in somebody's whole life. Um, just because of what we decided to do in a moment. And in part, probably one part of it is that, you know, this attending of yours had this idea that like, let me just physically come in sometimes but that she created this psychologically safe space for you to admit that you were on a struggle bus is dope. I'm like, man, what was she doing? Um, first of all, she had to physically be there because that was yeah. not going to happen by phone. No, no. Um, but then to just make a decision, like I'm going to break the plane of, you know, us just talking and make this physical and, and, you know, and hug you. I, you know, and look, let, let's just go Ted Lasso for a moment. When I say I had to pause my television and lay on the floor for a little while after um, my, my favorite character, Roy, went over there and hugged Jamie, I was unglued. I was done. Like, my husband, who was not with me, he came in uh, and he said, are you okay? I was like, oh my God, I cannot. I know, I know. Oh. It was Jamie's standing there by himself trying not to cry. Because he just yes, punched so his, lonely uh, and uh, hurting, uh, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. like. And the thing about it, the reason why I, I'm even relating this to what happened to you is that there, as an attending, right? We're not really. I mean, yeah, we pat people on the back and we kind of hug people sometimes, but for the most part, even pre-pandemic, you know, you you, the whole physical thing, you got to really handle that with care, right? Yeah, yeah. And and when you are, you know. Roy Kent, whether you hear there everywhere or not, um, you you still you you still like make up your mind to be like, I'm not going to be physically supporting people like that. And that was just that that's kind of like that. that there's a parallel there um, when sometimes what somebody really, really needs is physical touch. Yeah. Yeah. And, that includes and it's our hard because yeah. 
and like right now we really can't do that in the way that we normally would right normally we'd be like doing a, a peloton ride all together with like all high fives now it's virtual high fives but it's weird because when you know ken tegmeyer in cincinnati's giving flyby high five like he's he's a friend to so many now because he's known as the guy who will join a ride just to give everybody high fives and then he'll log off right. and he'll give out and everyone's like ken thanks so much for the high five that's the best <laughs> right um and and these sorts of things of like giving people a, a it, I, I am excited to see how it's all going to translate when we can congregate together because we're talking about thousands of healthcare professionals that yeah. have engaged in this community building yeah. um, on this platform that look, it's got its problems. God knows, yeah. but we have given ourselves, you know, agency to just be friends in that yeah. space. And I, and I think that it's really cool. And to talk about things like Ted, you set our community on fire yesterday when you said that you were like, that got like a thousand comments. It was so cool. It did not get a thousand. But, but you know what? Um, Samir, Shah, Samir Shah, who I personally think is the busiest human in the United States. Oh, my States. gosh. Totally. Samir texted me. He was like, I am so excited that you are watching yep. Ted Lasso. Yep. And, I um, harangued him to watch it. I harangued Samir. <laughs> from, I'm like, Samir. Your whole residency right. program is watching. Right. Come on. And he finally did it. And he's I spent like, yep, the I love whole it. day. I spent the whole day texting my brother and my sister, the um, yeah. the professional television watchers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like with every single quote, I'd be like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Did you keep did you peep that? My brother was like, Oh yeah, we've watched it three times by now. We've I love it. I love it. Everything. I love it. What is your what is your favorite episode? Do you have a favorite yet, or has it had enough time to settle down? Oh gosh. Um, wow. You know what? I, I I think I need to watch it again. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Episode eight of season one was your favorite. So I did kind of watch that with a um a keen eye. You yeah, know, yeah, um, yeah. I can't I don't think that one was my favorite one. Um, it was the dart game. It was. Yeah. The darts yeah but it was, like he it was says, dark. like, I think it's called white knighting, but I'm just kind of going with my gut. Right, he's defending <laughs> his friend. Right. He's sticking yeah. up for his for his friend. Yeah. Um, yep. Against against a bully. Yeah. Right? Against yep. someone who means to cause her pain. Yeah. And I also feel like in that scene, he was playing three dimensional chess. He knew the outcome. Right. Sun Tzu in the art of war. Most battles are won before they're ever fought. He knew exactly how this was going to go. He knew exactly what was going to happen at the last dart. He yep. knew exactly from before they even started. Right. And I love that. Um, yeah. it's, it was very Machiavellian and I love it. And he just brought this guy low who needed to be brought low for a minute and he didn't I, humiliate him. He didn't talk smack, but the <laughs> be curious, not judgmental in that context, the story about his father and then barbecue sauce. Oh uh, my gosh. It just, uh, yeah, it was best. I mean, I, I think for me, I, 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 um, I have to rewatch it to decide on an episode, but I can say moments that made me the happiest. Yeah. yeah. Um, Anything related to Danny Rojas, Danny Rojas, like made me so, so happy in my, oh my gosh, football is life. It is. Oh it's my gosh. I, I love him. Um, anything with him. I did sort of decide at one point that me and my husband are um, Keely and, and Roy. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. I don't think my husband's going to listen to this, but when he does, if I, I'm going to make him listen to it and watch the show so he can appreciate it. But yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I, I love it. it. I thought that was um because he's just so complex and so gentle and sweet on the inside, but you know, tough on the exterior. My army ranger, cuddly, hubby. Oh, and then we'll go door to door to find a dentist on Christmas. Uh, sure. and, he, and, my, and my husband would do that. He's the guy that I, I love can't, it. Um I can't let him look over my shoulder if I'm looking at something that I like that I'm considering buying because he he's going to then try to figure out how to get it. <laughs> he's that guy. I love it. Um, I love it. But I also really, uh, I, I don't know why, but I dug the um, the scene, the, the episode with Coach Beard going out for the night. That was, that mm -hmm. was. I love that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. I have to say, you know, who, who probably needs to get some sort of award at some point is uh, the gentleman who's, I don't know his name, the actor playing Nate, could, because that is probably the most complicated evolution of a character yeah i have yeah. seen in a nick very muhammad is his name yeah nick muhammad Yo, is his that name. Was, i mean I went he from, got harassed I, in real life yeah i went from loving him 
yeah. to like really, like really, really hating him. Hating but, him. I know. <laughs> but as medical doctors, what we know, and that's what this is probably one of the most brilliant things I love about the show is that it is, it underscores trauma informed care and, totally. you know, um, and ACEs, right? Like, like, Jamie is like aces defined, right? He is an absolute jerk and a moron because he is a child who was harmed. And then even the complexities of of Nate's um, interactions with his father, who he's trying to please and how he's constantly scrolling through social media. And then that one negative one that he saw, how it just put the phone down and it after all of these kind things said about him. And I'm like, yo, this is so real because who who has not had that happen to them with social media where like everybody's singing your praises. Then you get the little piece that says show more replies. Don't <laughs> click it. I know. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Watch I know. out. Show more replies. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah. But totally. uh, I, no, I agree. I'm going to find the one. Mostly I just have a whole like envelope filled with quotes. <laughs> it's so great. And, you know, like I said, you, normally you come on at the end of each year and we're going to continue to do this god willing but you're going to have to come on med lasso for season three for sure that's I just am. mandatory content I, am. I can't wait that's just mandatory content I cannot wait. we we need to kind of bring this bring this around yeah. uh you know i obviously could go forever but one of the things that we've talked about the last couple of years too is goals um, yeah. and i know the last couple of years you have moved through some pretty remarkable things. You became a professor of medicine. You'd read that remarkable fundraiser for your 50th birthday. Um, and so I want to ask it in a slightly different way. Okay. Not what are your goals now, but are you still setting goals? Oh yeah. Constantly. I'm a, I'm a goal junkie for sure. Yeah, for sure. So like, for example, like that strength training thing, that was, mm -hmm. I, I, like I set a goal to do it for eight weeks and to um, lim change my diet for eight weeks. And then after that eight weeks went by, I set another goal to try to do it for another eight weeks and see if I could get off of blood pressure medicine. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty goal oriented. You know, I, I think my, my, my biggest goals and I, and I need to make them concrete Mark and they haven't been made concrete yet, but I think one of my biggest goals right now um, is, it, it, aligns around the word, word um, fear. And I want to move past any fear I have to do the thing that I am the only one um, that can do. And I don't know what that is yet. I don't for sure know what that is. Now, and this is not, you know, for anybody listening, no spoilers. I'm not leaving Grady. I love my job, all that. But I, I have this feeling that all of the things that I have done in the past, whether, you know, it was in my 30s when I was doing a bunch of media to doing stuff on social media to giving national talks and talking more and stuff like that. I feel like there's something that is going to swirl a whole bunch of those things together, um, but that calls for me to not be afraid to take it on. And I just don't know what that is. So I, I think my goal is to open my eyes and to, to not be afraid. And I'll just say one last thing, too, um, is that I, I will surround myself with the people um, that are for me and not against me and who lift me up and who um, and who who push me in a good way. Not people that are just fans or praising me or anything, but but people that like themselves enough, um, their their own selves enough um, to be able, um, to be there for me in ways, um, that, that do not drain from me. So I, so I, um, in 2021 and 2020, I, I redefined a lot of relationships and I, and, and it calls for courage and I'm not, I'm not afraid now to, to, to spend my time and my energy, um, where I need to spend it with people and also with saying no to the ones that, make me tired and make me hurt. I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. No regrets. I love it. 51 no years old professor of medicine, still pluripotent, still ready for another gigantic new thing where all these pieces come together. And I, I can only imagine what that's going to look like. And it's extraordinarily exciting. I'm filled with anticipation already. Goals uh, for you? Uh, for me, I'm trying to retool how I think about goals. I got to talk to Kamali Thompson in 2021 
while she was getting ready for the Olympics and getting ready to start her orthopedic surgery residency. Um, I mean, we're just talking about the most remarkable person. And she shared her approach to goals and goal setting. And the thing that I really learned from her, and it was, it was a, it was a really good reframing of what I had learned many years before about being deliberate, being very specific, and then writing it down. Because when you write it down, you make it real. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I want to try to do with my goals this year is change the way I set them, still do what she taught me, right? Write them down, put them Mm -hmm. into the world in in a tangible way. But I've always been really, really strategic with goal setting, right? What's it going to look like in one year, three years, five years? When I do coaching with people, it's what do you, what's your horizon like for one, three, five, um, 10. For me, it's like we kind of talked about earlier with food. What's the next hour like? I want to get, my goal is to be really good at that. What is the next 90 minutes like? Um, And trust that that will still get me to strategic goals that are important that I don't feel like I need to keep re-articulating. They're there. Mm-hmm. Be a good dad, take good care of patients, you know, participate meaningfully on social media, enjoy doing explore the space stuff. I'll do I'll, I'm curious to see how it's different over this next, you know, kind of these artifices of time that we use a 12 month calendar. Um, if I am more attentive for the next 45 minutes instead of saying, well, by July, I want to do X yeah. instead for the next 90 minutes, let's try not to eat the seized candies that are at my parents' house. Let's see how that goes. And in the next hour, let's try to get a decent workout in. Um, And it's just a different way of doing it. So I'm going to try it that way. I love that. So it just takes, um, you got the belief sign behind you. So that's right. That's right. I love it. This is the best. While I don't like setting, you know, year end resolutions and goals, I am resolved that you and I with good health will continue to, meet towards the end of 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 the calendar year and and uh debrief a little bit it's the best i look forward to it all year yeah and i just want to um say to you mark um that i've really appreciated uh your your positivity on social media i've appreciated the personal friendship that you've offered me through you know kind texts here and there how you reach out it seems like they come right when i need them to um <laughs> And, you know, because life is short, but sweet for certain, you know, I just want you to know how much I admire you, how much I see you. And um, that I believe that the spaces that you enter, you're making better by your presence. And I, and I want to thank you again for sharing that story about scared, anxious you, because you're going to permit somebody um, to, to be OK with that. So I just want to say I appreciate you and thank you for trusting me and your thousands of listeners. <laughs> with that story. I appreciate no, it. I appreciate you saying all that. I, I genuinely do. And, you know, you've taught me a lot about how to take compliments in stride and in hand. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that as well. But I would also just like to share back with you. There's lots of things that I and, you know, the many people who care about you and admire the work that you do like and would say, I'll just say one. When you write, you write authentically. That's hard. Um, mm-hmm. It's really easy to write in a way that you think will please an audience, you write like you talk. You know, I said the same thing to Megan the other day. Like, you could read it as an audiobook, and I would just think you were doing it off the top of your head. <laughs> but in doing it that way, what you're what you're creating for all of us, and I've said this to you on social media, I think too, is you're creating really important time capsules that are capturing the a, a, a significant part of the American experience right now. And as a history major, I know how valuable those will be. They're valuable now because they mm-hmm. give us that moment to see and understand. In 25 years, in 50 years, right, you might publish them as, a, as an anthology. You might aggregate them somewhere, but they will always be searchable. They'll be there. Yeah. People are going to go back and read what you wrote, and they're going to understand what this time was like in a very, very important way. That if you weren't writing it, they may not have that primary source. And so that is going to be generationally important. And I am so grateful that you're brave enough to do it because I know it takes a lot and Mm -hmm. it's awesome. Well, I received that. I appreciate that. Happy holidays. Have a great entry into 2022. We're all going to be together in some way, shape or form. Kimberly, you're the best. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. My thanks once again to Kimberly for joining us on this final episode of Explore the Space Podcast for 2021. 
you can't really summarize a conversation like that. You just have to hear it. So to those of you who have listened, I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Please do share it as well, because those who get a chance to hear from her and learn from her are the better for it, without a doubt. Thank you to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode as well and for being such a great sponsor all of this year and for all of the many years that we've been able to work together. Learn more about Creighton's Executive MBA and Executive Fellowship Programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. And you can follow Lori on Twitter at Lori Bedke, L-A-U-R-I-E-B-A-E-D-K-E. I hope all of you have a great and a safe New Year's celebration. Take care of yourselves. There's obviously a lot going on out there. Make good decisions. Take care of yourselves. Take care of those around you. We will be back in 2022 with more outstanding Explore the Space content. We will see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.